We're large and in charge. It's recording. Dude, get your shit together. Fun, baby. Spoiled child, weren't you? Why? Were you a spoiled child? It it's, it's blows my mind when you drive in the car with Dave. He literally can't listen to a song for more than twelve seconds. I just played and that. Then, you were yeah, just play played it. it for two minutes straight. I like that. Jam. It shows a twelve-second intro would be great, and then in the car, play the whole song. It's something like a phenomenon, baby. What is that from? Telling your body to come along, baby. You're not getting any of this vape this whole episode. You're in timeout. Introduce the show. Can I please have the vape? Introduce the now show. Now you mentioned it, I have this craving for nicotine. <laughs> Introduce the show. Can I just have the vape no, first? No, I'm going to use it. Let me do it I first. You're, you're nope. sipping. Nope. You're sipping. Hello, you're welcome doing... to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Chris. That's great. What's your name? My name is... Give me the fucking vape. Hold on, I need it. I need a nice little toot off this thing here. Yeah, take a nice fucking toot. So, Dopey Nation, we just came the closest that will probably ever come... To having already on the show. Are you going to put this on me? No. Okay. You got to do what you got to do, man. I when think he would have followed through. I think do he I ever put stuff on you? I think he would have followed, followed through. Um, he would have followed through then, too. I, yeah, I, exactly. I, yes, I agree. I, do I ever put stuff like that on you? No. Honestly. No. No. So tell the story, please. I don't know how to tell it. Just tell the story. Artie was supposed to come You're on. You're a terrible storyteller. <laughs> Give me the vape. Here, I'll tell it. You tell the story, I vape, and then I'll comment on your storytelling and you can vape. Wow. And you, put the guitar away. It's making me anxious. You're, you're, listen, you gotta fucking, you should see him. He's in a rare form. I'm tired. It's because Chris, Chris's schedule is he goes to, he eats a lot. He goes to bed at like one or two in the morning. No, I go to sleep at like two or three in the morning. He goes to sleep at like two or three in the morning. He wakes up at around seven. He's he's going to school at eight, and he comes home at one to eat and nap. No, I come home at like anywhere from three to five, and, and then you and nap. then I eat and I nap for like an hour or two. Hour or two. And he naps. Yeah, turn the volume off on your computer. It's making beeps. You're so fucking annoying. We're trying to be professional, man. You got all these fancy microphones and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you at with the uh, the knobs? The knobs are good, man. Are you sure? Because it's not really registering enough. You and me are fucking good. How's the boost? 
You mean the compression? Should the, I, should the, I jack the, up no, the compression? No, don't touch anything. Yeah, don't touch it at all. You love to speak it into the microphone. Yeah. So anyway, every month I um, every month when we're about to record, I go by uh, Compound Media or whatever it's called, another place that doesn't want to air dopey. I go over there mm-hmm. and I talk to them. I go to find Artie to get him on the show, and I saw him yesterday, and he said. He'll definitely come on the show today. So I tweeted about it, which is kind of like a guilt eliciting thing. Yeah. Um, And uh, we talked about heroin and we talked about Suboxone and this and that. And he said he was going to come. He said I should text him today to make it happen. So I've been texting him all day. And for the first time, I think, in a long time, he's responding to the texts. Yeah, he's going to come. So it seemed like he was going to come. And then at uh, 2 o'clock, he said he was going to come. Well, he's got to do a live show at 4, and it was crunch for time. And then he's like, after the show, we'll get something to eat and we'll record. But I just I can't make it happen. So you blame yourself. I blame myself. You feel badly? I thought you were blaming me, but I feel badly. I can't. I, I got to go back. Dude, I understand. Yeah. I, I understand. I don't blame you. Yeah. Dopey Nation, if you guys want to blame Chris, you should anyways, write us an email. But anyways, we were closer. The Artie saga continues, and we're inching closer and closer. Closer and closer. It's going to happen. Closer and closer. Hold on, let me get one more. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that the hunt for Artie might... I, I honestly think that if Artie ever comes here to my father's house and sits there... Today was the perfect day because my dad isn't here. It'd be a great episode. I just think it will be a great episode. I don't think the hunt is going to be better than actual doing it. I, you know, I I saw Artie perform live at the cellar, and he just showed up, and he got up and he did his you know bit or whatever. It was not a rehearsed thing at all, like the other comics. He went for twenty minutes, and all he did was dopey. It was just a dopey story. That's all he did, and it was just like a random gem that he like thought of in the moment, you know. And it had he tied in with something somebody else said. So well, what's the deal? What do you got on the docket? I got lots of stuff. Producer. Um, um, recently, me and my family went to the largest indoor water park in the world. Yeah, and Dave's such a pussy, he wouldn't do the rocket slide. What's the rocket slide? The big slide. It wasn't that big. But you didn't do it. That's because I did one three times as big over the summer, and I told myself I'm not doing it again. Why not? Because I don't like that feeling. Is that like Ivy Coke for you? I guess. I don't like either. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the rocket slide or Ivy Coke. <laughs> what if you shot Coke and then did the rocket slide? What would happen? It's similar. It really is very <laughs> similar. What if you did them at the same time? Like, I would be very like uncomfortable. Run some, like run some Coke, throw the syringe over the side, and jump on the rocket slide. <laughs> they had a slide there. I'm afraid I would like twitch and like you know flop myself right out like a fish i just start seizing on the way down i don't know i don't know just bathing your brain in dopamine oh that was one of the things on the docket thank you very much dopamine yeah dopamine baths um dopamine baths (laughs) um i think that uh is the rocket slide the thing where you go straight down yeah there's like a little platform door it's a straight down one and the platform releases, and then you drop into the slide. Right. At this place, they had I don't know it. if they still have those. I mean, that was, like, that was like the big deal when I was a kid doing water parks. At Kalahari in Pennsylvania, they have this thing where you get into this chamber, and then they pull the bottom out, and you go... But that one didn't seem as scary as the one I did over the summer at Splish Splash, where you're three or four or six stories up, and you just 
drop. Because this is the thing when I think about it. This is what I think about. Okay, you start falling, and you feel like you're going to fall it out. Feels of like it. you're going to come out of the slide. That's the scary part. Yeah, that's it's. But but what I think every time is I get this feeling that my foot is on the edge of it, and I feel like since my foot is on the edge of it, it's going to go off the side <laughs> of the thing. Turn your fucking computer off already. And I'm going to fall off the fucking thing. Yeah. That's, that's my feeling. My, my big fear was when I was a little kid, somebody told me that the segments that connect the slides, you know, the little ripples in between like one segment to the next. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. How they assemble it. Yeah, you told me. Somebody, yeah, somebody told me when I was a little kid that the segment was loose and people got a piece of their back skin. Stuck in the segment and it just ripped a chunk of their you skin just made out. That up. So, well, I don't know, but somebody told me that. And then whenever I was on the slides, I tried to be really light on the segments somehow, you know, which is not really possible. No, it's not possible. But um, we had a really good time. Uh, my daughter was afraid to ride everything at first, but then, like, I, w- I was like, well, I was like, if you're not going to go, I'm going to, and, 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 well, I can't even talk about it, but. My wife couldn't go on the ride either. Yeah. Um, and fucking... Well, I guess, you know... Well, I'm not going to say anything about Why not? Because it's her news. Okay. You know? I'll bring her on and have her tell it. Well, she's probably not going to come on by the, by the time it all happens, though. Yeah. Well, she's pregnant. We're having another kid. Vape knocks. Vape knocks. We're having another on. girl. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I went up to the thing to go on the water slide... And the, the guy was like, you can't go alone. And I said, okay. What do you mean? You it was like a big raft. And you're not allowed oh, to go on the raft Oh, you need like alone. another person. And then there was this weird family. And they said, do you want to come with us? And I said, okay. And you were with a family. And I, I got on some strange family's raft. And I went Did you get down. a picture? No. There were no pictures. Um, and then... Um, <laughs> that would be funny if you got a picture. With the strange then, family? Yeah, and then like, just like secretly frame it and put it up in your, <laughs> in your apartment somewhere. What do you mean? So then like... So they don't know that I have a picture of them? Or just so then, you know, your wife comes home and she sees the picture and she's like, what the fuck is this? And I'll say, oh, that's my family from Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. That's my secret family. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we went on... Me and my daughter, we went on 10 billion slides and we played... These, I mean, they have this intense game room. We spent like two hundred dollars in the game room, like arcades. But it's not like an arcade. It's all these newfangled games that suck. Are they video? They're like games? they're like they're like big versions of phone apps. I don't know how they think they're better than <laughs> what video do you games. Mean? Like, like they have Flappy Bird and they have fucking you mean Angry Crossy Birds? Road? No, that <laughs> Flappy thing. I don't know. What that it's is. this bullshit app. It's like all these video games just suck. And then they have like whack a mole. They've got basketball shooting for these tickets. It's like they who like, the fuck cares? Do they have like race cars and like ski games and stuff? Shitty ski ball. Shitty. No ski. Like where you ski alpine racer. You know, no. you put your feet uh-huh. in the thing. And, and there's you... no no drive. There's a bunch of shooting games. I don't like those shooting games. They're very scary. Everybody plays those. Sh- I just suck at them. I just feel like I run around and then all of a sudden I died. I don't even know how I died. I like the games where you shoot like. You're in the Old West and you shoot people. Like, I like that game. What do you mean, like, innocence? Yeah. I like those kinds of games. You like to murk the innocence? I like those games. It's like the Buck Hunter game. Have you seen that? Uh, I remember Duck Hunter. Oh, Buck Hunter. Yeah. I, I played Buck Hunter. They had it on, like, Nintendo 64, where you're just, like, in the forest and you're yeah. shooting deers from but far they, away. But they had an option where you could just shoot the people. <laughs> I, and I just took that. But Why do you like that? Because it's easy? Yeah. Um, Not because it's voyeuristic? 
I don't know. You're sick. I don't know. I like the. I've never really gone hunting or shot many guns in my life. I guess when I was a kid, I shot rifles. I I shot rifles at camp. Yeah, me too. I was pretty good at riflery. I was better at archery. This is horrible to say, you know, but like I'm going to say it anyway. So we would do rifling. They give you five bullets, and it's like 50 foot target practice, right? And they're just like 22s, like smaller guns or whatever. And they tell you over and over, like, it's out in the woods. And they're like, do not, sh- like, shoot at the targets only. But, like, a squirrel would, like, run across. And everybody's like... Did you get any? Well, everybody would try to shoot the squirrel, but I don't think anybody ever hit it. It's not that impossible. So now you're people-pleasing squirrels? I just I, I, I just think, like, if there's anybody from PETA listening, you know, it's not good. Well, you know, there's a lot of squirrels out there. Um, I feel like nicked its paw and he just maimed it, but it, like... You know, couldn't hunt as well and, you know, find its nuts or whatever. And then the squirrel was disabled. And Artie's texting. What's he saying? He feels bad. He says, dude, this is so embarrassing. I was never like this. I was always on time. Sorry. Say, no worries. Yeah. Hey, don't worry about it. Yeah. You don't have to text it out. Text him later. No, I, mean, I, I got to. Are you kidding me? Um, so the Splash Mountain was a success? Should I call him? No. For the show? No? No? No. If you want, I don't care. No, fuck it. I'll say don't worry about it. Um, it was fun, but I had this moment. Um, I had this moment where I'm, you know, it's a it's huge space. It's like, it was, it was really, it was a lot of fun. It was in the winter, you know, obviously. It was a snowstorm, and um, I had a couple of moments. We got there in the afternoon, and we stayed there for, you know, a day, a day and a half. So when we got there, we it was open till nine or ten the the park. So and it was empty. So we just had our run of the park. We're in the wave pool. We're me and my daughter are going on every you know slide, and then I see this uh, a hot tub that goes outside, but uh, and everybody in the hot tub outside is drinking and smoking cigarettes. Is it like snowy outside? And it's snowing outside. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. I was like, you can go on a hot tub outside? And they're all drinking and smoking cigarettes. And I was like, fuck, it's connected to this bar, blah, blah, blah. And then I see another one. And, I, and it's Is not. It's like a family hot tub? Yeah. yeah. So me and, me and my daughter went in that. And we went outside. And you have to go under this doorway thing with like a kind of like plastic thing to separate yeah. the inside and the outside. And we go under and we're under the water. And we put our heads up. And it's snowing. And my daughter goes... Daddy, it's so magical. Oh, it's just priceless. It was just it was it was priceless. It was like a movie. And she had her hands up. And you were like, I'm a good father. I was like, wow, what a what a different life I have. Yeah. I was like, what an amazing and I paid it's for everything. It's life beyond your wildest dreams. It it really is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it actually is. Yeah. Um we got Artie Lang. We got fucking later in the show, Jackie the joke man from Howard Stern is calling in. Awesome. What's a life beyond my wildest dreams? In 20 minutes, you know who we have on the phone? Fucking Chuck Negron from Three Dog Night. There you go. I don't know if it's not a life behind your wildest dreams, <laughs> but I'm really I know soaking Jeremiah it up. was a bullfrog. I'm soaking it all up. A good friend of mine. I'm soaking it up. Nice. So anyway, I'm standing on top of the water slide, and there's some like blinking light. You can't go down the thing until the thing blinks. Yeah. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking out at this ridiculous park. And I'm just thinking, like, how many, you know, intravenous heroin addicts come to the park? How many got sober and can take their kids on on water slides? And I see that blinking light, and I'm thinking of, like, 
a hospital standing in the hospital and seeing a blinking panel on the wall. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And like, and, and and I get to do this now. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's really amazing. And I'm very grateful to have done it. And I'm very grateful to have experienced the stuff I experienced. Wonderful. You know? Yeah. What? You no, that, it's what? great. It's heartfelt. That's why you think I'm, this isn't shtick. Look at you. I'm telling you. You, it's look great. So, you look so tired. <laughs> it's great. Anyway. I'm tired. been up since 6 a.m. So... What else? What else we got? What else you got? Oh, I got oh, stuff. Read the review. Read the, the, the D-Man review. That was a good one. So this is from uh, D-Man on iTunes. Um, I don't even remember what it said, but it was a good one. Um, Let's go. What are you doing? Nothing. Uh, let's see. Fucking... Do you understand how to turn the volume off on your laptop? No. You just push the little... Um, Can you bust the thing You just out? push the little speaker thing that has no uh, little audio waves. Here, you find the fucking radio. I can't because I got to go through my phone and I have to uh, scroll through them all. Yes. Yo, turn, turn the fucking thing off. Like that? That does it? Yes. All right. All right, all right, all right. You know, my dad hates it when we do this part of the show where we don't have something or something. But for me, it's like... The the most recent review said that. We don't prepare. It's like my favorite part of the show. Why is Ear Hustle news and noteworthy and we're nothing? Ear Hustle recorded fucking San Quentin prison. So we recorded my dad's house. You got real live action inmates. Fucking shit, man. What the fuck? Hold on. Just say something, Chris. Fill the fucking air. Do I have to do fucking everything? Um, say something. I'm going to try to get Artie to go on. He's not saying anything. You're looking at me in that, just like you look like the picture in your parents' house. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Read the fucking review. All right, here's Dave's the review. literally using his messenger app while we're recording. I don't see D-Man. I see, oh, recent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dad. And I'm also sorry that I've been so mean to my dad on the show. And mean to me. It's a consistent comment. Who says that? All the time. This is not... Okay. Honest Nick. You can go fuck yourself. Safferwim. Oh, Sober RN1. Hated Dr. Drew episode. D-Man. There we go. These guys, the hosts, Chris and Dave, have put together something truly special. Even more special than... Uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, even more special and absolutely needed for the, this generation of people and the addiction mindset that society has created over the past 20 years. The way they are able to weave the insane stories of us addicts while in active addiction um, and keep a strong message of recovery alive throughout the podcast is amazing. To anyone wanting or thinking of taking drugs for the first time, I wouldn't recommend this podcast. For the lonely addict, in or out of recovery, I would recommend this podcast above all others. The honesty of the show is exactly what we in recovery need to hear. Oftentimes I hear other stories and think, wow, I'm never touching substances again. The honesty of the show is exactly what we need to hear. Oftentimes I hear stories and think, I already said that. Are you alright? You're just fucking totally scatterbrained. I'm sorry. Well, I'm never touching substances again so that I never get to the point of them and some of their guests. Do I have to go back and re-record this? Is it that bad? Are you all right? 
Yeah, I'm okay. (laughs) With the years of recovery between them, they show how happiness is possible after drugs, just by hearing their friendship. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And banter. And banter. Every episode. Play the voice memo. It is truly beautiful. Stay strong, Dope. Play the voice memo. Should I pause it so you can find it? You might as well. All right. Hello, Chris and Dave and Dopey Nation. My name is Ian. I am from St. Louis. I am a heroin addict in recovery. I've been on Suboxone for a few months, and uh, I've used off and on for a little over 10 years. I had about three years clean time. Um, I'll try to make this as concise as possible, and uh, I don't mean any offense, but there are certain listeners who have left voice memos that are, you know, you know, they're kind of bros and they, they kind of ramble on and, you know, tell, you know, wicked stories about getting annihilated. And at times it's, you know, hard to follow. But uh, like I said, please don't take offense to that. I love all you guys, too. Um, before I tell my story, I'd like to address a couple of things. The first thing is uh, that. I've heard people in kind of a shitty way have been saying that uh, Dave and Chris are reminiscent of Wayne and Garth of Wayne's World. And I think that's wrong. I think, you know, it's not party time. It's not excellent. It's not cool. But Dave and Chris, to me, are more reminiscent of Tim and Eric of Tim and Eric Awesome Show. And I don't mean that in a shitty way. I love Tim and Eric, and I love Dave and Chris. So, uh, anyway, uh, the other thing I would like to address is that uh, on the East Coast and the West Coast, it seems like there's this idea that everyone who is from Missouri is either some hick living in a cornfield chewing on a piece of straw or that we all live in the ghetto and we're dodging bullets every day. And that's not true. It's it's almost true, but it's not completely true. Uh, there are some very cultured people that live in St. Louis. I like to consider myself one of them. And it's actually a very liberal town, and I love St. Louis. But it's also a very shitty, dirty city, and there are a lot of heroin addicts here. It's a very dopey town. Anyway, my story takes place in about 2010. Um, I was going to the north side, which is the shady part of town, to cop some dope. And my dealer had a little trap house on this really shitty block in a really shitty alley behind it. And every day I'd pull up in this alley and get my dope. So I turn down this alley, and as I do, I see that there is a cop SUV parked in the alley behind the dope spot. And after turning in the alley, you know the rule, you can't, you know, turn away and act like you're scared of the police because then it seems like you're up to no good. It's like it's like running from a rabid dog. You know, they will pursue you. So I had to be casual 
and uh, take my white shiny face. You know, it's a pretty much all black neighborhood. So I had to take my white shiny face and drive my car down the alley and, you know, do do to do like I'm supposed to be here. No biggie. This is where I live. I live in this abandoned building right here. This is where I was going. So uh, anyway, uh, as I drive past the SUV, uh, it whoops at me. And of course, I thought, you know, I'm in big trouble. They're going to hassle me. Uh, anyway, I look over and I see that it's actually my dealer is sitting in the passenger seat of the cop SUV and he's signaling at me to come over there. And he has this frustrated look on his face because, you know, like I'm supposed to know that he was hanging out with a cop that day and he didn't warn me about this at all. Um, it seems like all dope dealers, you know, have this notion that all of us pathetic junkies, first of all, have to eat all their shit and that we should all be able to read their minds. Like we're all Miss Cleo and we need to know, we should know, you know, that we should stay in the car, if we should get out of the car, you know, where we should go. You know, you can't do anything right. They're always mad at you, it seems, you know. But anyway, uh, so I go up to the car, and the cop who is sitting in the driver's seat is like a really copy-looking cop, you know, just the epitome of a real cop, you know, a cop face. Like, he came out of the womb having this cop face. He was meant to be a cop, genetically designed to. So he's got a real mean face on, uh, and... Anyway, other than that, I did the transaction as usual. I handed the cop my money. The cop handed my dealer my money. The dealer handed the cop my dope. And out of the cop's kitten-crushing hands, you know, I, I don't know that this cop has ever crushed a kitten before, but you could just tell, you know, he's probably crushed a kitten or two in his day. So out of his kitten-crushing hands, I take my dope. And I uh, am very relieved that I'm not in trouble and kind of freaked out how I just got my dope from a cop. So anyway, a few days later, I actually go to a hotel to meet the same dope dealer again. And I see this cop again in the hotel, except now he's wearing street clothes. And I said to him, hey, man, you know, like you really freaked me out the other day. And, you know, I was trying to have a little human connection with him, and he just kind of went, Arr! and, you know, like a curmudgeon just brushed me off. So uh, anyway, I come to find out that he is an addict, this cop, and he has a deal with my dealer that he will look the other way if he pays him in dope every day. So I'm sure there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, there's another couple of quick stories about cops I'd like to tell. Uh, one of them is that um, another time, around the same time period, I was pulling up to another dealer's house, and there was a paddy wagon there. And uh, shortly after I pulled up, I wouldn't have stopped there if the paddy wagon was already there. But the paddy wagon pulls up, and my dealer comes out, and hands the cop a big wad of cash, and the paddy wagon drives off. 
And, uh, in fact, another time, uh, I was following my one dealer down an alley, and he had a cop car escorting him around as he did his deals. So, uh, you know, St. Louis has a reputation for uh, some corruption with the police. You know, obviously the whole Ferguson thing happened in a neighboring county down here. Uh, so if I've seen this three times in my dope-doing career, surely there must be other someone else out there who's experienced something like this, but I haven't heard anything like it uh, on the Dopey podcast so far. So I thought it was a unique war story to tell. Um, anyway, uh, that's all I have for you guys. And uh, I hope you liked my story. And uh, to all you dopes who have no hope, I hope that you find hope to cope. And if you're hopeless, I hope hope finds you. And stay strong, and toodles, and yada yada, and good night, everybody. All right, thank you, IG. It was pretty crazy, man. Yeah, cops copping. Hope to cope. Hope is hope. What did he say? Hope to cope, and I hope that you find hope. Dope or some shit. Pretty wild, man, right? Yeah. His, yeah. The wildest part is his... I've heard of cops confiscating drugs. I only personally knew one person who was a dealer and he was a cop and they would every once in a while they'd make a big bust and they'd get like five pounds of weed and the cop would like turn in two mm. and then he'd sell those three pounds to people one guy in particular that i knew i'm sure they did that with everything they confiscated i'm sure you could turn over a ton of shit if you i mean listen a cop has a lot of responsibility and the potential to make money tons of power you know it's a mess um so what are we going to do? Are we going to get uh, Jackie the Joke Man on now? Yeah, here we go. Jackie the Joke Man from Howard Stern Show. Yes. All righty. Here we go, Jackie. Hello, Jackie. What's up? How are you? I'm good. How's it sound? I don't know. Let's see. Let me talk to my, my, my incredibly... No, you can't unplug the thing. It's got 38%. You have to do it that way. Really? Yeah. Well, we've, I, this is Chris. He's a very inept engineer and co-host. <laughs> How you doing, man? Ah, uh, everybody I can. There you go. There you go. So, uh, we, oh, shit. We've caught you on a rainy day. You're in Bayville? Belleville? Uh, yeah, it is, uh, you know, it snowed like crazy two days ago. Where are you guys? We're in Chelsea on 27th and 8th Avenue. Oh, oh yeah. So, you know, it's nasty. It's, it's not just rain. It's like nasty cold. Oh, it's the worst. I, I have to say, Jackie, to have you on our show is such a, an honor for me. I, I listened to you for so long on the Howard Stern Show, and uh, you're amazing, and uh, I'm so happy you're on our show. Right. And you realize that being such an honor to you, I can't buy a sandwich from that. You do know that. <laughs> I'll, gi- I'll give you. I'll give you a sandwich, Jack. Kidding me? Don't even. Don't even say that twice. Yeah. No, it's very flattering. Very flattering. Thank you very much. And and I just and Jackie just put out a book called Bow to Stern that I I listened to and I really enjoyed listening. You to. don't read anything anymore. You only listen. Huh? Who has time to read? I'm traveling. <laughs> I walk around. I listen to Jackie and um, and it works that way. Uh, Jackie, Dave played me uh, one of your songs. I liked it. 
Yeah. Do you guys have an Alexa? Uh, I don't. You know, we don't. I know what it is. is. You know what it is, right? Yeah. Because I just found out. I just asked Alexa to play uh, one of my songs, and, and she played it. Well, he tell it. tell the Dopey Nation how to do it, and they can look it up. Uh, are we recording? We're recording right now. No, you never said that. Sorry. I figured you were a professional. <laughs> well, yeah, a professional usually waits for you guys to say we're rolling. Well, then we're not professionals. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, it's becoming more and more apparent. No, uh, the name of my song is And I'm Thinking About You. And if you say, watch this, Alexa, play And I'm Thinking About You by Jackie Martley. You hear that? Oh, yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah, a little bit. I just Alexa, yeah I just played it for stop. huh that uh, that's the greatest pot song I've, I've in the world I wrote it uh, about ten years ago and it was the theme song to my I had a radio show called Jackie's Joke Hunt for eight years on Sirius and it was uh, just an a solid hour of filthy jokes every week for eight years it was just a hoot man <laughs> when you went on Sirius Howard had already gotten there. Yeah, yeah. Howard was on Sirius, and he, uh, I got a show on his channel. He gave me a show on his channel. Right. And it um, went on for eight years and kicked ass, and then all of a sudden they just yanked out the rug, and that was it. What was the end of that? Why did they end that? They, we never found out. We never found out. You yeah. know, I don't know it was too dirty, too clean, too popular, too unpopular. You never know. You know, the whole Stern show is always a case of mirror, mirror on the walls. You know, you want to do good, you don't want to do too good, you know. Right. You know, Jackie was the, the Jackie started on the Stern Show in 1983, correct? Yep, 1983. I went in there, uh, went in there blind, actually. That whole story's in my book, and it's, uh, people are fascinated by the story. But, you know, it's actually a, a question of hard work and dumb luck colliding, you know? And uh, I went in there in 1983, and after I sat in for a day, they looked at me and said, you're a lot of fun, come back next week. So I came back one day a week for free for three years, and then we went to mornings, and I went to five days a week, and we went to Pluto. It was unbelievable. Awesome. Well, it, it, what, what it was was it was an amazing chemistry. It was uh, – I, when I would listen – I listened to the Stern Show uh, from probably 1995 until a couple of years ago. And um, and I, I mean, I loved it the whole way through. I, I find Howard to be just a giant in broadcasting, and and I loved the the scene, and I loved the scene when when you were on, and I loved it when Artie was on after you. But do you think there's some fucking construction on the roof in our building? It's ridiculous that it started right now, Jackie, and I'm apologizing for it. It's like I can't imagine anything this bad. You know, it's fucking so sad. To me, I just love watching your face you every should. time well, they jack him. You can't just have a drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about if I just shoot some dope? Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, Jack. And um, but I, I want to do it a little chronologically because this book, there's a chapter in the book. Because I'm going to skip your childhood, although he might be the illegitimate grandson of Theodore Roosevelt. No, nah, well, uh, a little further along in generations than that, but it's uh, that's pretty crazy, interesting, and. In it hasn't been proven or disproven yet, but it's a pretty funny story. Dude, if a Roosevelt crosses my path, I will swab him. But yeah, Swab him for me. I will swab him. We'll do the DNA comparison. Mm. But so Jackie uh, was um, 
a musician on Long Island, and he drank and he smoked weed and he was a hippie. Yeah. And around 1979, you realized you were all, you were always funny though, right, Jack? Well, you know who's funny? You know, I I I I was so little. I was such a little guy that I guess I was a loudmouth and told jokes and uh, and I yeah I was always a lot of fun. But well, you know when you're fun and you tell jokes, you never know uh, whether or not other people are. You know it's, it's very funny. Like when you're a kid, like if you have black friends, you don't know they're black. And I I grew up in kind of a dump, and I never never saw the difference between my house and anybody else's house, and I never saw the difference. In, personalities you know and then as you get older everything becomes more apparent you know i figured everybody in the world knew the jokes i knew you know i don't know if i was especially funny or whether just knew a lot of jokes but obviously if i was writing for howard for 15 years those weren't jokes those were just lines so so yeah i guess i was pretty funny you know it's great my first comedy album uh the cover of my first comedy album is my eighth grade class picture and i'm sitting there flipping the bird and people used to interview me and say, were you the class clown? And I'd say, no. And then one day it dawned on me, I said, you jerk. You know, you, you gave the finger in eighth grade in the class picture. Don't you think that maybe annoys you class clown? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What's it take, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you were partying hard in the 70s, right? You were drinking and smoking weed and doing a little coke, and your band left you. He was in a three-man band. Yeah, you know, there were a three-piece band, and the other two guys. You know, I was telling too many jokes, and they were playing all my songs. So, you know, it was it was really my band. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, a goof to say that they left me because, uh, you know, they left to start their own band. And I said, well, that's kicking me out of the band. But it really wasn't kicking me out of the band. Because you know, I was a, a lot, a, a lot of the band, you know. Hmm. It's all but how you I phrase am, it. I, I like, the, I like the idea that two of your band left you as opposed to kicking you out of the band. It's somehow <laughs> softer and nicer. That, yeah, that's so funny. It's just semantics. I said, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but that's kicking me out of the band. But you know, um, it, 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 after all those years, I said I am not gonna, you know. Dealing with another musician or two more musicians or three, you know, it, it's just so thankless. And then once I went on my own, I used to cry in the car because, you know, you used to having somebody to bitch and moan about, you know, and uh, and complain to back and forth. Even setting up the equipment, I used to have tears in my eyes because setting up the equipment, as much of a pain in the ass as it was, you know, you, you, there was somebody else in the foxhole with you, you know. But I knew I was going to wind up having to do it on my own, you know, like... Uh, I, I, to this day, I have no idea what was going through my mind. I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like, I never had a conversation with myself. You know, like, what are you going to do with your life, or what should what should you do? And people say, well, what you what, you know, how did you decide not to become a mechanical engineer when you graduated as one from Michigan State? And I said, it, it never was on my plate. I never had any intention. That degree was so besides the point. You know, I. I to this day, like, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. You know, I've never been one of those, I've never been able to plan, which isn't, it's driven every girlfriend and my wife, it drives people crazy. Because people like to know what they're going to do, where they're going to go. You know, every year I was married, it become, you know, here it is December and we didn't have a, you know, even when we had a lot of money, we had no place to go on vacation because we never planned ahead. You know, it's, 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 it's a personality flaw. But uh, but you are what you are, you know. It's that simple. 
Well, I, I kind of want to jump in and ask. See, I wanted to hear about because uh, Jackie, when he transitioned from being a musician to being a comedian, he his friend claimed that he was going down to Dangerfield, which was uh, Rodney Dangerfield's club yeah, on the yeah. east side, and he claimed that he got on stage and he killed in front of Rodney. And Jackie's brain clicked. Jackie, would you tell Chris that story and the Dopey Nation that story? Well, what happened was. When we first started in comedy, it was it was uh, late '78, and I wasn't really comedian yet. But I had run into these guys, and uh, kind of was palling around with this comic friend, who, who to this day, 40 years later, he's my best friend in comedy, and he's Kevin James' opening act, and is standing in the movies, and he's a great guy, Richie Minervini. But I ran into him at a club on Long Island, and I was just, you know, I was playing there with my band, but. You know, we're just on the throes of breaking up, and me and him got together, and, and you know, it, it's too long a story, but I was staying at my grandmother's house after my grandmother died with my girlfriend, and he used to come over sometimes, since he lived far away, he used to come over and spend the night, and he walked in one night, and in the early, early days, there was no jobs, there was nothing to do, we had no idea what we were doing, and I mean really, really, really no idea, and he walked in, he said, oh man, he said, I was at Dangerfields tonight, and I went on, and I killed, and Rodney really loved me. He's going to put me on TV, and I can't tell you how jealous I was. And I sat down at my typewriter and started going through all the jokes I knew and making them into Rodney-type jokes as best I could. And I had a carbon copy. I mean, there was no such thing as a computer. And, you know, and forget about having a copy machine. You know, I just... So I typed out like six pages of jokes, and it was, uh, not to get off track, but a guy had called me up on the phone in the middle of the night a month before and told me this great joke, and I just incorporated that in it. And when Richard came in the next night or two, I said, hey, man, you know, here's an envelope. Give these pages to Rodney, your your pal Rodney. And he said, oh, he says, you know, I didn't get on stage at Dangerfields, Rodney, you know. Rodney wasn't even there, but but I was there. He said, I was there. I didn't get on stage, but I was there. And he took a matchbook out of his pocket and handed it to me. And it said, you know, Dangerfields, 1001 First Avenue with the caricature of Rodney pulling on his tie, you know. Just to prove that and, he had been there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and he just happened to have it in his pocket. And I said, well, what the hell? I already had the envelope with the jokes in it. So I just wrote the address of the club underneath where I had Rodney's name and put a stamp on it, put it in the mail. You know, it was that simple. And it was great because we lived at my grandmother's house and she'd only been dead for a month and nobody knew the number. I mean, her friends were so long dead, so nobody called her house. But of course, that's the number I gave Rodney in the letter. And we're sitting there having lunch, me and my girlfriend, the phone rang and I answered the phone. He said, hello? <laughs> I said, who is this? He said, it's Rodney. <laughs> and I said, Rodney who? And he said, oh, you're fucking funny. I knew you were funny. I can tell you're funny, you know? <laughs> and my girlfriend's yelling, who's on the phone? I'm saying, it's Rodney Dangerfield. She's like, you're full of crap. Who is it, Richie? I said, it's Rodney, you know? <laughs> so, and that's how I wound up being... Uh, being hooked in with him, and, and the whole story in the book is great. And I've got, that's funny, but it's I've awesome. Got like is... five or, I've got all these other stories that didn't make it into the book. I have, I have a whole other book. I have a whole sequel to the book, and it's looking like there might be enough interest for me to put out the other. I, I literally had enough for two, two for two books. I had 
so much stuff. I mean, so much didn't make it in. You know, like private parts isn't in there. And, I know. You know. I know. I was noticing different that. things that just didn't make it in because I just had too much. You know. Well, do another book. I mean, the the thing is, our show is a is a horrible drug addiction fuck up your life kind of show. And one thing I noticed, I, I mean, I had to put you on because uh, I'm a fan and because I saw your book. And I remember, I don't want to jump ahead, though. I wanted you to tell a little bit of uh, Rodney cocaine in the car and cooking his own. Tell him that like, you know, he would do coke and cook his own salad on the road and all that shit. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> you know, it it was really crazy. Uh yeah, you know, he, he, I mean, he wasn't some guy that just snorted coke nonstop, but he had it and loved it. He loved to drink, he loved to smoke pot, loved to do coke, you know, but, uh, like when we, when we got to the hotel, you know, I said, you know, give me a two to pot and a, a two to coke and, and I'll set things up because he, he would get off the plane with his own toaster oven and his bowl for salad. I mean, I mean, he and they were in big cardboard boxes wrapped in string. I mean, it's not even, it's not believable. I'm sure other people saw it. And if they saw it, they could attest to what I saw. But, uh. What do you mean? He would, he would bring his own utensils? Own. Rodney, when Rodney Dangerfield traveled, he'd have his luggage. And then he'd have some cardboard boxes full of a toaster oven and a salad <laughs> bowl because he didn't <laughs> like the food at the bowl, restaurant. In cardboard boxes wrapped in string. And I don't mean twine. I mean string. Like when <laughs> I went to pick him up. Like, I flew down to Florida um, with his daughter and her girlfriend and rented a car and got it ready because we were just going to be on the road. For, he wasn't working in Fort Lauderdale. We were just hanging out. I was down, down there as his pal. And when I went to pick him up at the airport, I was almost, like, embarrassed. Like, Jesus Christ, you know. He had, like, you know, three or four suitcases and then, like... Two or three big cardboard boxes wrapped in string. It was just so funny. <laughs> and then we got to his apartment, and I mean, to his hotel room, and, he, you know, I saw that he sets it up and cooks his chicken and makes a salad. So when we got to Las Vegas, I said, give me a toot, and I'll set it up good. Because when, when he had set it up, I said, this is silly. So I took a couple of the tables in his suite, put them on top of each other, so that the toaster oven would... <laughs> I love that. Um, and and you were you were drinking pretty hard, and you were always smoking weed, and um, and then hold on, I'm sorry, I had the alarm set because these assholes were supposed to call me for an interview. Which assholes were those? <laughs> <laughs> so I put the tables on top of each other, put the toaster oven, so it'd be at uh, at you know at the right height to to, to work with it. Said, That's pretty good. I never thought of that, you know. And uh, so it was really, it was just funny. It was just funny. And so, our, and so Jackie was um, basically, he was, the, I mean, Chris wasn't a big Howard Stern fan like I was, but just to explain it to you, there was the nerve center, there was Howard, then there was Fred, who was kind of the producer and did the sound effects, and there was Robin, who was obviously a co-host, and then there was Jackie. And Jackie, uh, you know, did bits, but his real thing on the show was that he'd write lines for Howard to read during the show. Okay. So, but you know what's so funny? For a long time, people thought that I was just the guy that was there, that got drunk, that they broke balls about, and that I did this and did that. I almost was enough of a character on the show that it would have warranted me being there, so nobody even realized how, what I'm doing. And, and what I was really doing was making him really fucking funny. 
You know what I mean? It was, uh, and it was kind of a, a kind of hidden entity for for not not ten years, but for you know, it was very slow coming out of the coming out of the gate. You know, somebody say, "Yeah, Jackie's right lines for Howard," and the other person would go, "You're crazy. He does not." Yeah. You know, it, it, it was very funny. But I don't think, I mean, I don't think that, I, I can understand why Howard would be sensitive about that, but I don't think that's a dig. I think, you know, if it's like, it's like joke writers have, or I'm sorry, comedians have joke writers, it doesn't make them less of a comedian. You not, know? not even a little bit, not even a little bit, but you know, but what he did was not comedy so much as, as a guy just sitting around being really, really funny. And anytime somebody knew I wrote a line, that means he didn't think of it himself. You know, it's it's kind of a gray area. And meanwhile, who cares? Right. You know, who cares? Not to mention Howard is, is, I mean, I love Howard. I like, if I could pray at the church of Howard Stern, I would do it. Um, I mean, yeah, and he's so brilliant, you know. You and know, he, he's magnetic, and he knows how to create a... You know, I don't love the show right now. I don't love the crew. I'm just not interested in that crew, you know. Um, but that's just me. Uh, and Howard just seems, like, angry now, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, oh, is that right? Like, at what? It just He just doesn't have... I, I, I don't know. In, in my take the on the whole... Should, the guy should be dancing, working three days a week, once in a blue moon, and has billions of dollars. You know, it's it's funny. It's funny. I'll tell you, we had such a good time when I was sitting there. That's why it was so weird that he didn't want to pay me the money. Because if nothing else, if you got a billion dollars, what price is it to sit there and, and really, really have fun five hours a day. I mean, we really enjoyed ourselves constantly. You know I, I, mean? I don't I don't think it was about that, though. I think that he needed to be shrewd, and I think he needed to play his part. And, and I wanted to know why didn't... I mean, one of the stories is that um, Howard's agent was uh, a guy called Don Buckwald, and Robin signed to Don Buckwald, and Fred signed to Don Buckwald, and even... The guy who wound up supplanting, not not Artie Lang, but the, the writer that wound up supplanting Jackie signed to Don Buckwald, this guy Benji. Why didn't you sign to Buckwald, Jack? Uh, to me, it couldn't have been more obvious. You know, I mean, I, Don represented Howard and then represented Robin and then represented Fred, you know, and the, the, and the station gives you X amount of money. He's going to give the bulk of it to Howard and some of it to Robin and much less of it to Fred. I'm going to be the fourth worm in line hoping for a worm. <laughs> right. No, I understand you know, that. Um, you know, let me ask you this. How do you send your agent in to argue with Howard for more money when he's Howard's agent? It, you know, it just is such a it's such a, a such a conflict. It's unbelievable. You know, just for him just to have Howard and Robin, let alone Fred. I don't think Fred's ever asked for another dime in his life, you know. Right. Well, Fred is very, he has this Buddhist thing where he's centered and exists and is just happy to fucking be there, you know. And he, you have no idea how unbelievably fast, brilliant, creative, he's one of the most talented people I ever met in my life. And you know, there's only one person in the world that doesn't know it, and that's him. Right. Well, that's but that's part of his power. You know, I was on the Howard Stern show once, Jackie. Uh, oh. September twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. I 
I lied and I created a fake award for Howard. I had a show on Broadway video and I created an award called the Shuffle Entertainer of the Millennium Award because I knew that Howard loved to get awards. And I created this fake award and I was high the night before on heroin and ecstasy and coke and I stayed up all night with my girlfriend and I I, I was trying to figure out how to get on the show. I thought I could have my girlfriend get naked for you guys but I didn't want to do that (laughs) or I could get naked and wear a stupid sign in the street but I was like, fuck it, I'm going to create a fake award for Howard and uh, and he went for it Um, and uh, I went in that morning I stayed up all night, I walked to K-Rock from my father's apartment where we're actually sitting right now and I went in there and I told Howard that uh, he had won 78% of the vote and that he had beaten out everybody he hated. I said he beat Jay Leno. I said he beat out Adam Sandler. I said he beat out Bob Hope because I remembered at the time he was bashing Bob Hope a lot for some reason. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you were probably there. September I was 20- going to say it was 99. I'm still there. Yeah, and then he told me he was... Uh, then Robin said, Howard, are you retarded? Look how high he is. And I said, how dare you, Robin? And then Howard said he would beat me over the head with the ward or use it for a doorstop or something. But it was a, it was a big moment for me. And I know that, like, you know, for when I would get high and for when I, um, when I worked in production in the morning, I would just listen to you guys. And the beauty of the Stern Show was feeling like you were a part of it, you know? And, and I know, and everybody does. I, I mean... Just like you, I mean, I talk to people like these guys came in today to put in uh, put in blinds for my girlfriend, so the whole world wouldn't have to stare at her naked when they go to the beach. <laughs> right. And these guys walked in and and they said, "Listen, we got to tell you, you know, it was a long time ago you were on the show." They said, "But we're so damn starstruck." And they said, "It's so weird because we feel like we know you because they listen so much, you know." And that, and that's very common, like. It's like even 20 years later, it's like seeing an old friend that, you know, they, they probably forget that they didn't even know me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's ama- very interesting. I wanted to ask you the most, I mean, a question that it might, it might bug you. Um, but, like, I remember once after you left the show, I heard you on the show, and you talked about quitting drinking. And, um, uh-huh. and, and you kind of even implied that one time that... The drinking was part of the reason why you didn't re-sign at the first offer or at the second offer or whatever. How do you feel about that now? No, you know, there, there, there were so many uh, mitigating factors. And, you know, I knew I had to get divorced. I knew I had to quit drinking. I knew I wasn't happy. You know, then it's a pretty, it's kind of a weird situation. There's a lot of backbiting and a lot of craziness, you know. Um... And so there were all kinds of different uh, different things going on. But, um, you know, I actually did quit drinking for a year, like in the early 90s. It was really weird. I, I quit for Nutrisystem, and then I stayed sober for a year. And I was like, wow, I guess I can do this. I guess I can just have a beer once in a while. So, of course, I had a beer once in a while, and then boom, you know. But I wasn't a crazy drinker. You know, it's so funny because I drank a real lot of Jack Daniels in the 70s. And then I drank a lot of Budweiser in the, in the 80s. And then in the 90s, I started drinking light beer. So in my mind, I was tapering off, you know. Right. <laughs> Which is so weird, you know. But, uh, you know, they, I, I, I never blame my drinking on anybody, you know. Like, But the truth of it is, you know, they say 
anybody that's ever quit drinking or thought about it, you know, you read so much stuff. And, you know, the things about alcoholics and there's a list of stuff. And I'll tell you what, in, the, in high school, and this doesn't sound believable, I, maybe it was college, but I think it was high school, there was an article in Reader's Digest, and I think it was like 14 clues that you might be an alcoholic. Right. And there were 14 things. And I had, I had to read through them a couple times to try and find something that didn't pertain to me. You know? <laughs> right. But yeah. uh, like, like if you can, you know, if you can remember the first thing you drank the first time you got drunk. And I, every time I smell scotch, I'm there in the I'm there in the, the house in seventh grade with the guys I got drunk with. I mean, you know, if you if you drink. Uh, so you, I mean, if you work, so at the end of the week you could be re- rewarded and have a drink on Friday. I'm like, go fuck you! What are you crazy? Of course, you know what I mean. Like it, it, it was, it, it was absurd. But uh, you know, the, the the reasons for drinking and not drinking, it's 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 very. I, I just wish I could I could have a couple drinks and and forget about it. But you know, once I once I start my train, once the train pulls out of the station, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Once you get started, it just it keeps going. Yeah. You know, and it's. Uh, <clears throat> I tell people the same thing all the time. This is in my book. I say I wish that booze was like tuna fish. If I have a tuna fish sandwich, there's nothing more I enjoy more. And I might have another tuna fish. I might not have another tuna fish sandwich for three months. And when I do, I'll enjoy it just as much. But there's nothing making me run to the luncheonette the next day and get a tuna fish sandwich. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I just wish I could take it or leave it. And then now it's been so long. I'm coming up on 17 years on Sanka de Mayo. Mm. I would love to think that now, now I can have a drink. You know, but I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pussy. I'm afraid. I don't, I don't want to risk it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm sure your life is a lot, is a lot, you know, because that's something else you talked about a lot in the book, that you were unhappy at the end of the run. But I, I mean, I don't think you put it together that you might have been an alcoholic and you needed to stop drinking so you could be happy and, and be good on the show. You know, you were great on the show, but you were so unhappy when you left it because, and you claimed your, your life was unhappy. You know, and I feel well, like it was, it was all, it was all uh, muddled together. All the reasons. And, you know, if I had half a brain, I would have stepped back and sorted it out. But, you know, it's funny. It's it's that old thing where the definition of a moron is somebody that watches the same thing happen 99 times and then the 100th time thinks it's going to work out. You know, like after 15 years, I knew I'm not going to sort this out. I just got to I just got to break all the dishes and then piece them back together and as as stupid as that sounds you know no it doesn't sound stupid did you ever tell howard that or no no he know you know he knew that and then he had you do he had you do the joke hunt but then he and it's just so mysterious and strange to me do you is is howard like a, a nice guy underneath it all or no or what you know he's a just like everybody you know, it depends what day, not what day, but depends what you're talking about and what your relationship is. You know, <clears throat> you know, he's going to have one relationship with his wife's brother and another relationship with his neighbor that plays music too loud. You know, it's you know everybody. Yeah, I mean, is he a decent guy? Yeah, he's a decent guy. It's a shame, you know? though, Jackie. I have to say that as a listener, 
you know, I was fucked up. I was high as shit when you when you left the show, and uh, and I and all I could think was like it was a bit, and you would come back, and um, and that eventually all would be well. And everybody thought that, you know. And it was like, and then when I heard you come back, you know, I remember you had had dinner with him a couple times. You know, was that was that? Am I remembering that right? And it almost seemed like it was going to happen, but then no, no. I went to dinner with him to to, to ask him about uh, about doing the doing the joke hunt. You know, he wouldn't. He would never have me back. He, listen, if he had me back on the show, if one person came up to him and said, "Man, Howard, it's so great to hear Jackie back on the show," that would ruin his day. It just would. You know, it, it's it's hard to. It's hard to put it together. It's it's hard to explain. What do you uh, think about Artie's claims that Howard is just too Hollywood and he doesn't have his roots and all that? I, I don't listen to the show. Uh, I love Artie. He's a very good friend. I see him all the time. <clears throat> but, you know, Eddie, if Howard wants to dump his wife and, and marry a younger girl, he's not the first guy that did that. Right. He's, he's a hypocrite because he told the world, you know, he, he led around everybody by the nose, telling him, don't do the things that he wound up doing. It's all, if you look at the back of his book, he just went down the checklist and did everything he said not to do. That's classic. You know, don't leave your wife, don't marry a young blonde, don't go Hollywood, don't change your friends, you know. And he did all of them. But, but once again, he's totally entitled to that. I don't begrudge any of that, you know. No, I, I, I think he's, I mean, I, I love, love Howard and... Uh, I just the, the weird thing to me is that the the power of the show was totally the um, the honesty of it and the um, the chillness of it. Like that Gilbert would come in and you guys would do all the vampire shtick. It, it, it was a blue collar hang, is what it was. Right. You know. Right. And it, and uh, you know, I guess he's nowadays. I guess he doesn't even have Gilbert on. I know. It's just you know. The guilt. I, I think. I, I really think that Artie's suicide attempt shook him to the core. Like I think it scared the shit out of him because he he knew he was part and parcel to Artie's antics and did never never knew where the chickens would come home to roost. And I think it scared. And, but, the, and, but once again, in his defense, that that's that's not his. You know, that's not up to him. Uh, should he have fired him? He probably should have fired him a, a lot sooner. Yeah, but. But who knows? I don't know anything, so I don't pretend to, right. I don't pretend to have any kind of opinion on that. But I, do I? I do agree that it must have scared the hell out of everybody. Yeah. I mean, scared. I mean, I don't. You know, he wasn't even that good a friend. Well, I've known him a long time, but I mean, it wasn't close to him, and uh, and that scared the crap out of me. You, you know, know I, I try but to get. We've all been high where you do make stupid mistakes. You know. Right, but you getting high is different than how me and Chris used to get high, and it's different than how Artie gets high. It's like this is end of the world, end of your life, addiction, you know. And it's yeah, like no, no, that was never me. You know, I would drink, but uh, you know, I, luckily I didn't have enough money in the eighties to do coke. You know, I did coke when somebody had a bag, but that's because you know, somebody was sharing it. You know, like that probably saved my life being. You know, right? But you were not predisposed to be a, a cocaine addict, or you would have been one. You were around enough people who were fucking around in the eighties. You know, it would have happened. Oh yeah, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, my, and my friends knew I wasn't. Like my friend Richie, he's still my my good friend, the guy from Dangerfield's story. But uh, he'd take off or say he was going somewhere. He would never say I'm going to go score some coke because you know I'd say, what the fuck? What are you doing, man? You know, 
Because you knew it was a problem. It's easy to see, you know, you snort some coke and then all you want to do is find some more. And then when you snort some more, that's all you're doing is doing coke and then looking for it. And it's like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Although, it's so funny because other people's vices uh, make no sense. Why somebody would take a $100 bill and go up and say the number of a horse and hope that they're going to come back and get more money. It, it, the whole idea of gambling is like to me so foreign yeah. but yet I can totally understand drinking 24 beers until you fall flat on your face and you get run over by a car that vice I understand well it's like you know, the, the gambling it's, it's like the, the tuna fish thing you know for me gambling is like the tuna fish sandwich I go I kind of like day. it I, I lose it I'm like go. whatever I'm not going to do it again for a long time they right, give me I some booze. Tomorrow, and... or I could bet next week, or I could never bet again. Right, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. what I wish. Yeah. Well, Jack, I love having you on. It's a it's a total total honor, and um, uh, I want to have you on again just to chew the fat. Even though you're not a drug addict like us, and you might you're 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 a total sober alcoholic. <laughs> you get to smoke weed, which I miss. I loved smoking pot, man. Yeah, you know, people tell me that I'm not sober because I smoke pot, and I say, fuck you. It's all you about know, how your life is. It's all about getting through life the best you can. That's all. Well, you know, pot does not, well, it probably gets in my way, but who knows? You know, I just turned 70 years old. I mean, how much more do you, you know, I've been to the mountaintop. I, I really should be struggling to get back there, but I just don't care. You know, my, my book is selling well. There's a, there's a little bit of interest in making a movie out of it, but, I, you know, I don't get excited about that till somebody's really serious because, you know, you get, the, you get the rug pulled out from under you enough times in this business, you know. Totally. Oh, you know what happened today? What's today? Today's the third. Today, my, I got a new joke book that just came out today. What is it? But I, I didn't make a big deal about it because um, I'm tr- still trying to sell my... My autobiography. I got a book signing this Saturday in, uh, at uh, the Frame Shop in Oyster Bay. And right then on, on the 26th, I got a book signing in Port Washington. Because I love signing my book and reading from my book and sign it. But I got a joke book coming out. It's called Jackie Jokes, The Ultimate Collection. And it's probably the funniest joke book there ever, ever was. You know, And it's only in paperback and it's uh, postal press. And I should be promoting it, but I'm not ready to promote it yet, you know. Well, we'll promote it. We'll we'll do. Pl- I'll do plugs for you for that, and I'll promote Bow to Stern because I love you, and uh, I'm incredibly happy you came on our stupid show. We try to well, do. No, the most important thing: tell people I tweet jokes every day at 4:20 International Marijuana Time at Jackie Martling, and then I put my book signings, my club gigs, and how to get the book. All that crap is at the end of all the tweets. Because they made the tweets now 280 characters, so you got enough room for a joke and a plug. And uh, also, if you have Alexa, say, Alexa, play And I'm Thinking About You by Jackie Marling, and sit back and you will laugh your balls off for five minutes. And Jackie, do you know that you blocked me on Twitter? I, I block people if they... You must have done something annoying. I'm sure I'm incredibly annoying. You can't. You have, you've only communicated with me for three days. You can't tell how annoying I am already. No, you, you seem fine. You're just a little bit scattered, trying to find a time for the show. But uh, I couldn't remember why I had said yes to it. But then when you reminded me, if any, if any of this helps anybody stop any kind of addiction, even a little bit, I'm in to help. You know, just like it's a, it's a pretty. 
you know, it's not a magnanimous way of giving back, but it's at least at least a little bit of a form of giving back, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you uh, would you please unblock us on Twitter though? Because I need I need a direct line to you on Twitter. Right? I'm not going to know what to do. You know? No, just email me, JokeLand at AOL dot com. I tell I give everybody my email address. We need J-O-K-E-L-A-N-D, JokeLand at AOL dot com. You got a good junkie joke before you go? A junkie joke? Like a joke about heroin addiction? Jeez, I. I I know nothing. About I stumped that. the joke, man. What do no, I get? You know, I, I have never thought, you know, I've lost a lot of friends to, you know, to heroin and coke and shit like that. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's just too sad, you know. What's the joke, Chris, about where you, you know, you have a, a somebody's looking for their wallet. What's the joke about you? you they say you lose your wallet and they stick around. They stole your wallet, but they stick around to find it. Joke. <laughs> There's some joke about like a like a co- a crackhead is going to steal yeah, your yeah, wallet, yeah, but then then help stay to help you look for it. Some stupid joke. I don't know. Yeah, the, the only joke is what's the difference between uh, a drug dealer and a hooker? Yes. Uh, a hook a hooker can wash her crack and use it again. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Jackie. Um, we will be in touch, and we will play a song of yours uh, before we're done. You want us to play "I'm Thinking About You" or the train oh, song? I, I think people are gonna people get a kick out of that. Okay, right. we'll play that at the end. All right, boys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so Thanks. much, Jackie. All right. Bye bye. Take it easy. Bye. All right. I love that. Thank you, Jackie, for calling. Thank you, Jackie. It was a little road down uh, reminiscent lane for you. Well, I mean, I mean, it was all over my head. I didn't make a peep because I was like, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Well, listen, I apologize to any of the Dopey Nation who didn't find that fascinating. Yeah. But I used to, when I used to travel around to do shows and stuff, I would rent a car and I would have a bunch of weed and sometimes dope and pills and whatever. And I would find Howard Stern on the radio and I would sit someplace in the car and I would just get high and listen. And I got high and listened to the Did Stern you like show. Jackie the Jugman? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about Jackie, it's like it was the crew. It was the team. It was the chemistry. The, re- the, same, way, the same reason that people like us, I like them. Yeah. You know, I mean, our chemistry is probably different and... You know, we're actually friends and stuff. Who knows what the fuck was going on there? Yeah. But the thing about the Howard Stern show, and but I let think, me ask you: if you were Howard Stern, yeah, and I was uh, Jackie, you offered me seven hundred thousand dollars, and I asked for a million. Would you give me the race? Well, that's what I said to Jackie. What did he say? Yeah. And that's what I said to him. I said, I said Howard had to be shrewd, and um, I didn't know that's what you meant. Financially shrewd. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen. You think he was being. Profligate? Well, profligate. I don't even. Profligacy. I don't know. I, I really he had think the profligacy to turn down Jack's, Jackie's. Uh, uh, was Howard offer. Stern profligatic, or was Jackie Howard Stern had the profligacy to turn to down, deny him to deny him? Let's read what it means again. Somebody commented on it. On it was him. No, was somebody, him. Some, oh, the guy who wrote the word yeah. it was? Yeah, it was do- means reckless extravagance or wastefulness in the use of resources. No, it's the It opposite. was Jackie that no. demonstrated pro- profligacy. No, because I don't think it was reckless. It was, a, it was okay to ask for that. Well, Jackie figured Howard Stern was going to make... If Howard Stern was like, fuck it, why don't you take five million? That would have been profligate. Yeah. Profligate? <laughs> yeah. I just think that, like... 
Life goes on, man. You know, yeah. I, I feel like I, it would have been cool if Jackie had worked it out, but then Artie never would have been on the show, and that was a different show. We wouldn't have Artie coming on Dopey. When, it's ne- Artie's never going to come on Dopey. What are you talking about? We were just saying, you're closer than ever. That's next episode we say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the temporal aspect of today's <laughs> time show. warp right now. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> but, um... Chris, I'm so grateful that you and me get to make this show together, even though today drained you. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was you're, a lot today. I mean, you're a trooper. Been, we've been talking for, what, like eight hours today. You see what a professional Straight. I am? I, I, I have no- Hey, I woke up early. I didn't get my daily nap. You got your nap. You just I didn't sleep nap. on the train. When did I? I don't nap. No, but you take these long slumbers at night. Yeah, they're called sleeping at night. <laughs> yeah. I don't nap. I sleep at night. I got to be up early. I got a long day at work. You know, it's fucked up. Artie offered to take us out to dinner in 50 minutes and record Dopey and Chris needs to drive back to school. I got it. Well, here we go. Yeah. Um, Drop us a review if you want a shirt. Go to dopeypodcast.com. You can find something there. Email Jackie. Tell him he needs to get some uh, heroin jokes. Yeah, some heroin jokes to Jackie. Um, I love how he's like... um, you know, just so many people have died from heroin and cocaine. It's something I joke about, but, well, they have a podcast that's literally the whole premise is making jokes surrounding that. Why didn't you say anything? I was fading during that. All right. I didn't get it. There was uh, Fred and Robin and... Whatever. And Listen, I apologize. Benjini. What is the guy's name? Benjini. Benjini. <laughs> I apologize to anybody that felt like we shouldn't have had Jackie the Joke Man on Dopey, but I could not... Not try to do it. I oh, had to try. Jackie was great. Now, today, I will do the dopey review of the week. You ready? Yeah. The Real Deal. The Real Deal. Yeah. By Saffroim. Great chemistry between Chris and Dave. I've been listening for a few weeks and have made it up to episode 117. I love that they are gaining some traction in the recovery world by interviewing celebrities. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to listening to the Dr. Drew episode. However, I hope they don't abandon their humble beginnings. I think the first 50 episodes are the ones that are going to resonate with the non-celebrity afflicted, besides Modi. Um, A wide variety of those in recovery would be great, too. Most of their guests are friends they met in rehab. Not true, but that's okay. Are they? Are most of our guests friends? Some. Some. Some of our guests. Those guests bring some good dopey stories, but they are all very similar, inpatient rehab, get life together, and now are doing well with jobs and a family. My affliction didn't fully consume me until I was in my early 30s. I already had children, a job, a house, and spent years trying to hide my affliction from my community. I certainly wasn't able to hide it from my kids, which could be a whole episode in and of itself. There are lots of directions for you to go, boys. Please just keep it real. Thank you, Saffron. But you know what I have to say to you? Send us an email. Drop us a review. And no, the no. Ultimate, they the dropped ultimate. us a review. <laughs> What's wrong with you? And the, Shush, hold and on. the ultimate guest, though, is Todd, who is the antithesis of what he's talking about. What do you mean? He's a friend. He didn't get it sober and turn his life around. No, that's I th- literally been the ongoing thing. I think this is a woman for some reason. Saffron? Saffron. Are you cooking with saffron? <laughs> is saffron that really expensive shit? No. It's like the most expensive spice there is. We're get- Right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting the best. <laughs> this is the best Chris has been all day. He's up. 
He's out of his mind. I lose it with the guests. I just, I, I you know, because Chuck Negron is super music. That was last episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know his next, next episode. episode. Chuck Negron, who's coming on, he's super music I'm like, I don't even know. He had some stories that were really good. And then uh, Jackie the Joke, but I don't know anything about Howard Stern. So it's just right over my head. This is the meat and potatoes, the saffron. Saffron. <laughs> Isn't that that really expensive shit? Or what is the one with like a bunch of like leaves? I think saffron is probably leaves. I think it's not that expensive a spice. I want to say it's a pretty inexpensive spice, but I don't know. I think it's really it comes up in Indian cuisine. Hold on, expensive spices. We yes. need to get to the bottom. Okay, of this. good. Now a we're now we're cooking. Guide to every herb and spice in the cupboard. No, that's not what I want. Now we're cooking with gas. Let's see. How much does saffron cost? Per pound. You can get a pound of saffron. Um, it takes 70,000 crocus blossoms. Are you listening? Yes. It takes 70,000 crocus blossoms or 210,000 stigmas to yield just a pound of saffron. Oh, you're right. Oh, damn. That's a football field's worth of crocuses, my friend. The wholesale price of a pound of saffron can vary from as little as 500 a pound to as much as $5,000. That shit's expensive as fuck. That's like literally the gamut. That's almost the gamut of uh, weed. What's more expensive, saffron or or poppies? Like shit-ass fucking weed grown in like, you know what I mean, like the bush. 500 a pound, seeds and all this junk. Up to that new high-grade shit, that's probably about 5,000 a pound. It's amazing, though, like how they... Because you could grow the greatest weed and, and probably not pay too much to grow it, and then you get so much money for it. it was, I don't know. You opened a can of worms there. What they you didn't mean? teach you anything in the pot farm about that? No, I didn't hear <laughs> about it in 12 hours. I didn't, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I heard nothing. Um, now... We're going to go, but first, we're going to do a song. No, man, i got to get out of here. You said this was your favorite Sublime song. No, I don't and, even know it. And, and um, a, an audience person. Listen to Garbage Grove? An audience, a dopey fan, a dopey nation guy, said he wanted us to play it. So this is a great... I like to sing along to it, though. I want you just to sing it. No, nah, I'm not singing it. I'll play it. Here, let me see. No. No, I know the beginning of it. No, I'm not. I do know the beginning of it. <laughs> you only know one no, thing. It's that horrible twinkle twinkle. I'm not playing that. Yeah. Are you ready? Here, sing. We took this trip to Garden Grove. Smelled like loot dog inside the van. Oh, yeah. This ain't no funky reggae party. This sounds Five dollars at the door. It gets so real sometimes. Wrong my rhyme. I've got the microwave. Got the VCR. And I've got the deuce deuce in the trunk of my car. If you only know all the love that I found, it's hard to keep my soul on the ground. You're a fool, don't fuck around with my dog. All that I can see, I steal, and I fill up my garage. All right, that's good. Dopey Nation, until next time. Artie coming soon. Yeah. 
Fucking hell, man. Toodles. Say goodbye. Tell him to do the stuff before. We you already say. said it. Like that was the times. that was the other three episodes we did. No, we said it on this one. Just fucking do that shit. Uh, drop us a review on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Reddit. Buy a T-shirt at www.dopeypodcast.com. Yeah, buy a T-shirt. Yeah, buy a T-shirt. Buy or a long sleeve T-shirt. We used to have other stuff, but we're just we're cutting back, making it more simple. Simple flying. Simple flying. All right. You done? Yeah, I'm done. All right, toodles. Smoking pot, I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, and I'm thinking about you. I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, just you. I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. I'm driving along, driving along. I'm singing a song, singing a song. And I got my dick out, got my dick and out. And I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. I drank a six pack, drank a six pack. I took my pants off, took my pants oh, off. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm smoking pot. I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. I guzzle tequila. Guzzle tequila. I beat on a lamppost. Beat on a lamppost. Then I yearn for you. Yearn for oh, you. Oh, I ached for you. Ached for you. I ate some loo. Ate some loo. I kissed my dog. Kissed my dog. Then I cried for you. Cried for you. I wept for you. Wept for you. I took some skunk. Took some skunk. I groped your sister. Groped your sister. But you're the one. You're the one. You're still the one. Still the one. I ate some hair. Ate some hair. I lit a fart. Lit a fart And then I sketched you Then I sketched you Yes, I drew you Yes, I drew you I got my dick out And I'm thinking about you Thinking about you Well, I tripped on acid Tripped on acid I picked the scab Picked the scab And then I faxed you Then I faxed you I sent you a fax Sent you a fax I made pot brownies Made pot brownies Had diarrhea Diarrhea Your name came up Name came up Your name came up Name came up I swigged some ripples Swigged some ripples I watched some porn Watched some porn Then I wrote to you Wrote to you Show them what we wrote, Frank I'm smoking I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, hmm. thinking about you, I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out, uh-huh. and I'm thinking about you. Show them what we wrote on page two, Frankie. Yeah, yeah. I got my dick out, <laughs> and I'm thinking about you, mm-hmm. thinking about you, <laughs> I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you. I did some mushrooms. Did some mushrooms. I waxed my legs. Waxed my legs. Oh, I miss you. I miss you. I long for you. Long for you. I swallowed some Vicodin. Swallowed some Vicodin. Inserted a suppository. Inserted a suppository. (laughs) I'm smoking pot. I got my dick out. 
And I'm thinking about you Thinking about you I paid a bill Paid a bill I thought about my parents Thought about my parents How'd that verse get in there? Well, I smoked the joint. Smoked the joint. I tickled my balls. Tickled my balls. And I pictured you. Pictured you. Sweet, beautiful you. Sweet, beautiful you. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. 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 Yes, I do. I'm smoking pot. I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, thinking about you, I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, thinking about you, I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out, and I'm thinking about you, thinking about you, I'm smoking pot, I got my dick out. Smoking pot, smoking pot. I got my dick out, got my dick and out. And I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. And I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. I'm smoking pot, smoking pot. I got my dick out, got my dick and out. And I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. Think about you, think about you. I'm smoking pot, smoking pot. I got my dick out, got my dick out. And I'm thinking about you, thinking about you. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind Busted city far behind I'll take the high road However far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad want to be good so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to 